0: All this nonsense, all this spin, they can't handle the truth.
1: War Room, Battleground. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. The problem with Washington politicians
2: is they have no skin in the game. Well, I'm not a self-serving politician. My whole life has been about service, family, and community. After 9-11, I served as a Navy SEAL in the Middle East. Now I'm ready to secure our border, stand up for law enforcement, and protect the integrity of our elections. It's time for we, the people, to take our country back. I'm Eli
0: Crane, and I approve this message. Okay, welcome. It's War Room Battleground, Monday, 17 October in the Year of Our Lord 2022. We are three weeks and one day away from the most important midterm election since 1862. And since that midterm election really uh, pivoted around in the hinge was the Battle of Antietam that took place in uh, September before the election, we thought it was very important to make sure we're always talking to our veterans about uh, particularly the veterans that are at the tip of the spear here. We got three of the best Eli Crane from Arizona, Joe Kent from Washington, and then we go to Florida to Anna Paulina Luna. New York Times, huge story on the Sunday Times right hand column, so you know it's important, the paper of record of our country. And our first guest, they start with Eli Crane, 42, running in a Republican leaning House district in Arizona, saw five wartime deployments with SEAL Team 3 over 13. Let me turn it to page 26. By the way, massive story something like 5,000 pages long or 5,000 words long. Uh, and as a sniper, machine gun, turret uh, operator and running killer capture missions with the Delta Force against high value targets, summoned Fallujah. Mr. Crane presses the false case that the 2020 election was stolen. Of course, all of this is about being election deniers or part of, you know, J6 insurrections, all nonsense. And that's where we got three of the best, Crane, Luna, and Kent i we'll to start with you, Eli, out in Arizona. First off, they're, they're kind of shocked when they talk to the young MAGA uh, warriors, when you guys express skepticism in kind of uh, the neoliberal, neocon order that has people going on battlefields all over the world, uh, giving up their lives, uh, serving their country. But the ex- incredible just waste of money that has been, and they're kind of shocked. Uh, When you guys push back, whether this is Ukraine or just ever increasing defense budgets, given that all three of you served your country uh, when you were young and uh, in in the highest method possible. Eli Crane, what what do you got to say about that?
2: Well, Steve, it's an honor to be here. You know, anytime you're doing a piece with The New York Times, you never know how it's going to turn out. I do feel for the most part that, you know, shockingly, they seem to cover us pretty fairly in that one um but yeah it was interesting you know to be you know it's it's interesting when they ask you questions and push you on you know the election you know they're kind of surprised to hear that you don't back down you know from the positions that you've had you know the entire time and then when it comes to they're also surprised that veterans you know don't support all of this massive spending um you know with with our military all the time and also you know sending you know billions of dollars around the world to Ukraine to a place that most Americans can't even point to on a map that we all know is extremely corrupt. And that's the thing with this America First movement, Steve. I know that you're, you know, you've been one of the architects of it. I'm grateful for guys like you, President Trump, that, you know, came in and just made all of us, forced every single one of us to ask serious questions. Is this the best thing for Americans? Is this the best thing for America? How much is this going to cost? Who's going to pay for it? And, you know, when, it's it's so common sense, Steve, but it's like, that's that's the direction we have to go or we're going to lose this damn country. And I know that there's so many of us that wore those uniforms, that lost friends overseas and recognize how much has been paid and sacrificed so that we can be here today. But we realize that the country cannot continue to withstand this amount of corruption, this amount of debt, and we have to start putting America first. And so I think they are surprised that... You know, there we've got a new crop of candidates who aren't, you know, we're not singing off the same old sheet of, you know, Republican music.
0: Your, your district, first off, Arizona is one of the most uh, beautiful states uh, in the country and one of the most beautiful places in the world. It was the last of the states that really organized from our territory and made a state uh, in the lower 48. Uh, your district is one of the most stunning districts in this country. And it's huge. It's bigger than many, many, many states. When you go throughout your district, which is principally rural, it's got some towns and cities in it, but principally rural. When you go throughout your district and talk to folks uh, and they hear about America first and and the logic that you put forward as a combat veteran, what is their response?
2: Steve, they're all about it out here. I mean, we last night, for instance, we were up in Yavapai County. We were in Prescott. We had Jim Jordan out. Um, we had Congressman Paul Gosar out. We had a packed room. I think it was about five hundred and fifty people showed up. They love this country, Steve. They love hearing that there are candidates who don't shy away from their faith, don't shy away from talking about um how we need to turn back to God as a country. they're not they They love hearing that we have candidates that actually are American first, America first, who want to secure the border, who want energy independence, who want fiscal responsibility on Capitol Hill, want our politicians to quit printing and spending money that we don't have. They're common sense, hardworking American, Steve. And the thing about Arizona is they come from all over the place. We've got a bunch of people leaving California that come here. We've got people that just want to be a part of warmer weather, some of the beautiful regions you talked about we've got Sedona here where as you know a lot of the westerns um you know in 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 our you know you know our country's movie history were filmed here just because it's so beautiful we've got Flagstaff we've got the Grand Canyon it's a b- big beautiful district steve but at the end of the day these people are just Americans they want to put America first they want to go back to the same you know ingredients that made this country great in the first place And that's why they're willing to, you know, look outside, think outside the box when it comes to candidates. They don't want the same, you know, the same Mark one motto, Republican wearing the, you know, the blue suit, you know, the American flag, you know, pin on his, you know, collar regurgitating the same old Republican talking points that have got us here in the first place.
0: No, they'd like to have a guy that was on a machine gun turret and went into Fallujah and can speak the truth. I want to turn briefly. We're going to go to Anna Luna in a second, and Luna in a second, and then Joe Kemp. But I want to, there's been a bunch of press nationally. And by the way, you're hundred percent correct. Everybody, I posted this New York times story when it came out, given it was the New York times, it was incredibly, incredibly even handed about, about the veterans. Although they do refer to you guys as some white nationalists, <laughs> insurrectionists, but they, it's the New York times. When you're the guy you run against put out a call for help nationally about 10 days ago to say hey you know i've paid my dues to the dncc i i've got this district i'm an incumbent i can win here this young guy is all over me but you got to give me some money or he's going to win uh what was that that was a cry for help from your opponent where do we stand right now and by the way he wasn't shy about putting up on twitter and talking to people about it saying hey i need help i need help immediately or eli crane's going to be a congressman where does it stand right now, sir?
2: Steve, I think we're in a great spot, brother. Um, we have uh, we have the demographic advantage out here. This is ranked at a Republican plus 7.5 district. If our people, Steve, show up and actually vote, you know, the party line, and that's what everybody in this district needs to do. I can't imagine a time, you know, a time and place where it was more, you know, prevalent that we show up and vote Republican straight down the straight down the ballot but if our people show up and do that tom o'halloran is going to be retired he knows it um you know this guy's been a you know he's been a politician for 20 years you know he supported the inflation reduction act when he was asked steve why he supported 87,000 new irs agents you know what he said he said because we need more revenue streams that is not what the people of this district believe they do not think that the government needs more revenue streams steve If anything, they know that this government needs fiscal responsibility and to pull its head out because this is an America last administration and Tom O'Halloran has supported it 100 percent. So if we get the support we need, Steve, Tom O'Halloran is going to get retired and it's going to send one more message across Arizona and across this country that the old ways of doing business have got to be over and done.
0: Eli, where do people go to find out more about you, uh, more about this uh, campaign? We've got the New York Times story up on Ghetto right now. Where do people go to find out more about you and your campaign?
2: Thank you, Steve. EliForArizona.com. Um, and, you know, I'm really easy to find on uh, social media as well. Eli Crane, CEO. Uh, Eli for Arizona as well. So those are my coordinates. Thank you, Steve, for all that you do, brother. We're praying for you. We've got your back, brother.
0: Thank you, man. Same, same. You like praying out in Arizona, too. Let's go. Do we have Anna Paulina's ad? Let's play the ad, and we're going to bring in the great Anna Paulina Luna.
3: After decades in Washington, career insider Eric Lynn wants to go back. Lynn supports Biden's reckless spending that's causing higher inflation. Eric Lynn, after decades in Washington, it's time for him to go. Anna Paulina Luna will stop the radical spending.
4: I think these spending bills are destructive. If we continue down the path that we're going, there will be no more middle class. It's going to put completely destroy it. I'm Anna Paulina Luna, and I approve this message.
0: Okay, we go to Florida now to Anna Paulina Luna. Anna, I, I may not have this totally correct, but I want to make sure the audience gets the construct. Charlie Crist had the option, of, essentially, I know there's been some some movement in the district then there, but basically had a, uh, had a choice between a rematch with you and taken on Ron DeSantis statewide, and he chose DeSantis. So I roughly have that correct?
4: Yeah, he actually, I think you saw the polling from last time. I was running in a D2, and they said I was going to lose by 17 points. I was outspent 3-1, to and I lost by 5. So with redistricting, I think he'd rather lose against DeSantis than me. He's not going to win either.
1: No,
0: I just want to go on the record. He'd rather take on Ron DeSantis in a statewide race than take on Anna Polina in his own district. Anna Luna, that says something. Talk to me about how your service, uh, particularly as a woman, tell me about how your service to your country informs not just your campaign, but what you see yourself uh, as a a sitting congressman.
4: You know, I think it provides a different level of perspective. It really says something that after World War II, a majority of Congress was actually service members, uh, both men and women. And now... I think it's less than five percent. You know, when you're looking at bills, for example, we'll take the PAC Act, for example, and you see that the Democrats will say, well, if you don't vote for this bill, you're anti-vet. And then you look at the billions of dollars in spending, for example, in the PAC Act, over 400 billion did not go to veterans, and yet they used veterans to get that whole pork spending bill through. I think it really provides a level of perspective. Obviously, you know, you have skin in the game, but then also too, you're not going to be for the war machine. Like many of these establishment, both Democrat and Republicans are. And I think that, you know, with what we're seeing now, especially with Russia, you see that there's a machine that exists in Washington that's thirsty. They're thirsty for more spending, for more war, and we don't want that. So it's a different, a different perspective that I think more representatives should have.
0: That's that's one of the things of, of of you veterans, this young generation. It's it's you're intensely patriotic. In fact, you really came to volunteer for the military in one of the toughest times to volunteer for the military. And you see how tough it is today. When when people talk to you about these spending bills, and they talk about sending troops all over the, the 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 world, and they talk about you know the types of money we're shoveling into Ukraine, but also in other places. What are the constituents in Florida 13? What, Because this is a super patriotic, tons of veterans, tons of retirees. I don't know if there's a state more patriotic than uh, Florida. What are the people in the district? What's the feedback you're getting from them?
4: I think right now people are really, really impacted by the economy. And when they're sending literally millions and millions and millions of dollars overseas to places like Ukraine, and then you, it came out recently that the U.S. Air Force had to cut Some of these special duty pay for our service members because they miscalculated the budget while we're essentially funding literally the bureaucrats in Ukraine. I think that that really puts it in perspective. You know, people are hard hit with the economy right now. You can look at everything from airline fees to gas to the price of eggs. It's all gone up. And, you know, while Democrats are trying to push Republicans to talk on social issues that we really have nothing to do with at the congressional level, I think that they're missing how the American people are actually impacted. You know, here in my district, it is one of the biggest veteran districts in the entire country. And I recently had my opponent that said that I was anti vet because of the fact that I want to hold Congress accountable for the spending that they are using veterans for. And so I think that bringing that approach to D.C. is definitely going to you know, put some heat at my back, but I don't really care. I'm fr- frankly sick and tired of these people that have no skin in the game, have never served their countries, using us as political talking points.
0: Let's talk about that. For a second. Tell me where the race is, because your opponent is pulling out every trick in the book. Walk me through where this race stands today and how it's going to develop, how you see it developing over the next three weeks.
4: So we are at a statistical tie, but what we're finding is Republicans across the country are actually not taking polls. So to put it in perspective, I was also at a statistical tie in my primary and I won by 11 points. And that's because there are people that are genuinely afraid of the weaponization of the FBI and the DOJ. People are frankly uncomfortable right now to voice their political opinions. Now, it does go to show that they know that I'm going to win because of the fact that you are literally seeing outside spending. They just dropped $4.8 million in attack ads into my race, in addition to my opponent having $2 million. So this is effectively one of the most expensive races in the state of Florida. I'm not just stopping there, though. They are literally silencing everything about our race with local politics. The Tampa Bay Times isn't talking about us. Neither is Florida politics. We are outside every single day knocking doors and pounding that pavement. And as you know, Steve, that is how you win elections. So I'm seeing the forward momentum. I feel it. I feel that we are going to be winning. But I can also tell you that the leftist media doesn't quite know how to interact with me yet. I had the Washington Post and the New York Times misquote a lot of stuff that I said. Obviously, it's to be expected. They're left-leaning outlets. But we're bringing the heat. And I think that this incoming class, especially those candidates that were endorsed and, vet- and vetted by President Trump, uh, we're going to be bringing some change to Washington, D.C., that's for sure.
0: I just want our nationwide audience to understand. I want to go back just for a minute. We're we'll pressed for time, but I want to go back. How the outside groups are putting how much money on you?
4: Four point eight million dollars is what they just dropped in negative attack ads. So I'm effectively up against six million plus dollars. And that is not including what they spent against me in the primary election, of which I also think there were Democrat operatives that were actually spending on behalf of the Republicans that were running against me. So if you are a true America first candidate, if you are anti-globalist, they are going to try to spend what it takes. And as you know, Steve, that's quite a hefty spend, especially for a House seat that's an R7. And so we no, anticipate, it's, again, it's, it, this, is,
0: this is one of the historical Real quickly, what is it about Anna Paulina Luna that national Democrats at the national level would spend four point eight million dollars in a TV market in Florida what 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 is it that you do that triggers them? What do they fear
4: i am I am capable of targeting the largest voting minority in the country. I worked in national grassroots outreach and I'm effective at it, so I am effectively going to help shift politics into culture to target the hispanic voting bloc and i think that they know that and they are afraid of it and i'm an anti-globalist i'm a populist i'm for the people and they don't want that
0: anna polina luna how do people find out more about you and specifically this campaign this is one i'm telling you this is one of the most important campaigns in the nation how do they how does our entire posse find out more about you
4: you can head over to voteapl.com. That's votealphapapaluma.com. And if you guys can, please consider donating 10, 20 bucks. It all goes to the campaign. I'm not Ilhan Omar. I'm not paying my husband. Um, but we do ask that you do and, and donate. And if you want to volunteer, you can head to at real Ana Paulina.
0: Captain Bannon can, uh, can assure you, it's quite a Spartan operation uh, with Anna Paulina Luna. Everything, uh, t- a close run thing, as we say in the military. Anna, yeah. thank you so much
4: Thank you. One
0: of the most important races one of the most important races in the country. We just had two another one, Joe Kent, that uh before we, before we do the cold open, D- Joe, they had to come back for another bite at the apple. They couldn't help themselves after having a huge spread after having a huge spread a huge spread already with you and your opponent. They had to come back and say, "How do we get another vertical?" Oh, yeah, Joe Kent's a combat veteran. let's do that." Let's play, I want to play, uh, is it Mont uh, Shears? Let's go ahead and play Mont Shearer from, uh, from Getter. He did a, a, combination, a combination on your uh, debate. Let's play it.
5: I'm Marie Glusenkamp-Perez. I run an auto repair and a machine shop with my husband. I work in the trades and I fix things for a living. You can vote for me, a small business owner, or you can vote for Joe Kent, an extreme politician. Judge for yourself how extreme Joe Kent is. He supports a national ban on abortion with no exceptions. He wants to defund the FBI. He wants to abolish mail-in voting. And that's the last thing we can afford. You know, a green job is not just somebody running a recycling plant. It is a electrician wiring in a heat pump. And I think that it's important that we have a middle of the road, but uh, understanding, but I, I I, do think it's the right move to federally decriminalize simple possession of marijuana. Joe Kent's plan to end all legal immigration for 20 years is morally bankrupt and an economic sabotage. Our democracy is under threat. Um, you know, We have candidates running up and down the ballot who deny our elections unless they like the outcome of it. My opponent supports abolishing mail-in voting? Paper ballots are the gold standard in election security. You know, Joe Kent was one of the plaintiffs in a lawsuit against the state of Washington claiming that our, our elections were stolen. It's a charade for gaining followers and, and uh, points on the internet. These violent rioting mobs who attacked our Capitol on January 6th, he calls them political prisoners. I've been endorsed by so, my, my proudest endorsements are from Republicans. If If, the, if Ukraine falls, we are in danger. If the Ukrainians lose, they die. So, you know, if, if Canada invaded America, what part of Washington state would you all be willing to give up to appease our aggressors? He says that Biden's trying to kill off oil and gas. Biden actually uh, issued more permits for oil and gas uh, drilling in 2021 than Trump did. In- I'd like to in- remind the in- audience.
1: Uh,
5: our if you cannot be quiet, you'll be asked to leave. I want to fix things. Joe Kent wants to break things. Joe Kent is an extreme Extreme politician. politician.
1: Yeah, hi, I'm Joe Kent, had the honor of serving this country for a little over 20 years, did 11 combat deployments and special operations in the intelligence community. It was the greatest honor of my life. I intended serving to continue to serve in that capacity until my late wife, who was also in the military, was tragically killed fighting ISIS in Syria. Her death is a direct result of the failings of policy of our corrupt ruling class. The thing is, she is just more of the same old Democrat. Look at her policies with inflation, not addressing the energy crisis, not addressing the spending, bragging about signing on to omnibus spending packages. Look at the crime. She didn't address crime one time. She is endorsing open borders, no border wall. She's endorsed by Democrats that are letting child killers out of prison here in the district. She supports the the radical mutilation of children and the chemical castration of children known as gender-affirming care. She not only endorses it, she wants your taxpayer dollars to go to fund it. I'm going to Washington, D.C. to provide a strong check against Nancy Pelosi, against Joe Biden, and against one-party rule. I served this country for 20 years. I'd be honored to serve you for two more as your representative. Thank you very much.
0: Okay. Welcome back. Um, That is so powerful because we've had, obviously, the War Room Tea, Grace Chong. We refer to her, our our Grace, as Queen of the Trolls and Captain Bannon. They've been following these debates and they've been, you know, posting live And the debates because they said a a certain amount of time. But when you compress it like that, Joe, um, she's just not ready for primetime. It's kind of the junior varsity. It's a junior varsity varsity scrimmage. And I say that as somebody that actually wanted your opponent on the policy side to really be able to have a discussion between a center-right populist nationalist and a center-left populist nationalist, we're not getting it. She's just not up to the task. Uh, Walk me through where this race stands right now, particularly these debates, where I just think you have shined because you just know the facts, you know the details.
1: Thank you, Steve yeah so we have one more debate scheduled the debates are not going well for her at all she had less note cards this time but still couldn't make it through without referencing the uh, statements made for her by her consultant and the thing is you heard the the attack lines that she used there it's all the same talking points from MSNBC and CNN when it gets down to actually discussing the policy when she gets put on the spot by a very friendly panel of local journalists actually they are friendly to her they asked her just about inflation about our energy crisis and all she could do was stumble around this answer that biden's doing actually you know biden's actually trying to help he's issued more permits and you heard the audience like Come out, almost come out of their seats when he said that, because you can't fool the people in the district. They understand what Biden did to our, our energy independence, that he absolutely killed it off. They understand what he's doing to the economy. She tried to attack me for saying that I would stop signing off under these omnibus spending packages, really just basically saying that, hey, if I get to Washington DC, I'm gonna vote exactly how Nancy Pelosi and the corporate lobbyists tell me to. So when it boils down to it, she actually gets pressed on real policy issues. She has nothing to say except for these petty attacks.
0: The thing that was most impressive of what uh, this guy, Monsieur did, and, and you saw it in there, but you, when she made this statement that was so over the top and outrageous, the audience of citizens started laughing and the moderator come in and say, hey, there'll be no more. <laughs> there'll be no more laughing. Is that what happened?
1: That's exactly what happened, Steve, because I had been hammering everything with inflation starts with what Biden did to the energy sector. And everyone knows that. People fill up their gas tanks every day. You don't need to have a PhD in economics to understand that very basic concept. When she got put on the spot, she said – well actually, uh, it's not what Joe Kent just said it's It's really that Biden's issuing more permits. she did she was getting ready to say corporate greed, you know this whole myth that the oil companies are making money and all this nonsense, but she couldn't even finish the sentence because the audience there were some laughters, but there were there was also a lot of booze because that's just insulting to the people in the district it's, it's insulting that she has to read it off her little note cards, but it's also insulting that she thinks people are dumb enough to believe that nonsense.
0: Talk to us. uh, Give us a minute. I want to hold you through the break. Give us a minute on this New York Times piece that kind of in shock that combat veterans who, who have really been at the cutting edge can sit there and go, hey, I think we need to really rethink the Ukraine situation. I'm sure these defense budgets are justifiable. They're in shock about this. Talk to me about the New York Times.
1: Yeah, it, it it was a good and fair article, like you and Eli pointed out. I mean, look, they profile uh, two Green Berets and two Navy SEALs really heavily in there. Uh, myself and General Don Bulldock serving at you know, different levels of, of the Green Berets, and then Eli and uh, and Derek as, as Navy SEALs, and they're in shock that we are questioning the ruling class, that we're questioning, hey, do we need to be going into this new conflict in Ukraine? Should we be taking a broader strategic view to this and really putting our country first? And it's crazy to me that these people are shocked because really they're just used to veterans showing up and quite frankly saying exactly what the DC war machine wants them to say like, rah, rah, it's patriotic if you wanna go to war all the time. But we're saying, hey, our experience over the last twenty years is that our ruling class, our betters, our adults in the room—they got it wrong. They got it wrong, and our friends died. They got it wrong, and America didn't benefit nine trillion in the war on terror. And you think we're not going to come and demand some accountability for that? So I really just think that the uh, the legacy media can't wrap their head around the yeah. fact that we aren't programmed robots. I tell you what,
0: Joe, just hang, hang on one second, short break. Joe, Ken on the other side.
7: War Room Battleground with Stephen K. Bannon.
1: So Marie's going to give you a lot of anecdotes about why she's a different kind of Democrat, but the thing is she is just more of the same old Democrat. Look at her policies with inflation, not addressing the energy crisis, not addressing the spending, bragging about signing on to omnibus spending packages. Look at the crime. She didn't address crime one time. She is endorsing open borders. No border wall. She's endorsed by Democrats that are letting child killers out of prison here in the district. She supports the the radical mutilation of children and the chemical castration of children known as gender affirming care she not only endorses it she wants your taxpayer dollars to go to fund it and most importantly when she gets to washington dc she's gonna vote in lockstep with nancy pelosi and so the real question is can you afford two more years of one party rule i'm going to washington dc to provide a strong check against nancy pelosi against joe biden and against one party rule i served this country for 20 years i'd be honored to serve you for two more as your representative thank you very much
0: Wow. Joe Kent, New York Times, front page story in the Sunday Times about Joe Kent and uh, some of his colleagues and comrades in the Green Berets and the Navy SEALs. Uh, Joe, that was a pretty good summary right there. Give our audience what they want to know is where does this race stand today? Because obviously you are one of the most important uh, people running uh, as a MAGA candidate this year. Where do we stand in Washington 3?
1: We're looking strong. We have a really good grassroots game. Uh, People in the district, they know me. Uh, My opponent, though, because of the coverage that she's gotten from the mainstream media, she's been able to raise a good deal of money. She's up on the air quite a bit. I think she raised about $2.5 million. Most of that is going to attacking me on the air. And trying to frighten some of our our more moderate friends, moderate Republicans and independents, that I'm some sort of an extremist. But those issues I laid out there in the closing, inflation, crime, protecting our children, I don't think that these are extreme issues at all. I frankly don't even think they're Republican or Democrat. I think this is just basic common sense, you know, what really makes this country great. And I think most people, if they hear our message they can get behind us. So we're feeling confident. We're getting the message out there. We're knocking on doors. I'm doing town halls pretty much every single day. I'll be up in Lewis County later on today uh, in Chehalis at a a great town hall. So we won the primary by by grassroots efforts and we're going to win the general with the exact same uh, methodology.
0: Joe, just, I I assume, but I want you to help clarify me. I assume that a lot of that 2.5 million does not come from the citizens of Washington 3 am I am I am, am I wrong in that speculation
1: you we talked about the political article where one of Mitt Romney's former Bain Capital buddies is helping her bundle money with Democrat donors throughout the country. And so that's basically the people that are just triggered by Donald Trump. It's like, hey, this is one of Trump's, you know, one of Trump's all stars is out here. Give us some money. And so it's actually working out pretty well for her. And then she can just hit the negatives on, on the ads. But it's, it's not coming from inside the district. We're still doing really well on individual contributions from folks in the district.
0: By the way, the New York Times has not put you on the front page twice because they want you to win as a MAGA candidate. They're trying to they're trying to draw attention and say, hey, this guy's important to take out and the money's got to go to back that. So, Joe Kent, one more time, where do people go to find out more about you and your campaign?
1: Yeah, please go to Joe Kent for Congress dot com. The posse and grassroots got us this far. So five, ten, fifteen dollars really helps out. If you're in the district, if you know people in the district, please get them access to me, joekentforcongress.com. Come out to a town hall, uh, send us a message. I'll top, hop on the phone, people, if we need to. If you are a common sense American, we are the only chance at saving this republic. Every single Democrat right now is in lockstep with Joe Biden and with Nancy Pelosi, and they are hellbent on destroying our country. So look forward to having everybody on our team, joekentforcongress.com.
0: Warren Kent, thank you very much. Honored to have you on here. Okay, we've got one of the most important much, cultural, thank you, brother, one of the most important cultural uh, events. We had the book, remember, with Robert Kennedy Jr., we did an incredible two hours with him. What was this? Scott it's got to be back in 2021. The book, The Real Anthony Fauci, sold significantly, newer, I think a million and a half copies, a blockbuster hit, and let's say this. It's not the most easily accessible book I've ever read in my life, but man, once you open it up, you cannot put it down. This blockbuster's book has now been turned into a blockbuster film. Let's go ahead and play the trailer. I'm gonna bring the filmmaker in, Jeff Hayes, and then we're gonna also bring Tony Lyons, the great publisher over at Skyhorse. Let's play. Let's play the. Let's play the clip.
6: This book is a product of my own struggle to understand how the idealistic institutions our country built to safeguard both public health and democracy suddenly turned against our citizens and our values with such violence. I am a lifelong Democrat whose family has had 80 years of deep engagement with America's public health bureaucracy and long friendships with key federal regulators, including Anthony Fauci, Francis Collins, and Robert Gallo. Members of my family wrote many of the statutes under which these men governed. They nurtured the growth of equitable and effective public health policies and defended that regulatory bulwark against ferocious attacks funded by industry. I built my own alliances with these individuals and their agencies during my years of environmental and public health advocacy. Quiet on the set,
1: Amor speed.
6: But I also watched how the industry, supposedly being regulated, used its indentured servants on Capitol Hill and its financial clout to systematically hollow out those agencies beginning in the 1980s, disabling their regulatory function and transforming them into sock puppets for the very industry Congress charged them with regulating. I explore the carefully planned militarization and monetization of medicine that has left American health ailing and our democracy shattered. I chronicle the troubling role of the big tech robber barons, the military and industrial agencies, their deep historical alliance with big pharma and the public health agencies. The disturbing story that unfolds here has never been told, and many in power have worked hard to prevent the public from learning it. The principal character Is Anthony Fauci.
7: Wow.
0: It took huge stones to write this book. It took bigger stones to publish this book. And I got to tell you, it may have even taken the biggest stones to make this film. Jeff Hayes joins us, the director, producer. Jeff walk me through that is a stunning, stunning, stunning trailer. Walk me through the film
7: thank you it's It's a stunning, stunning book. uh when I read that book you know and and as you said, it's a formidable read it you know totally enjoyable but it it is packed it's meticulously researched a publishing phenomenon, the most suppressed book of my lifetime where bookstores that wouldn't carry it still to this day, over a million copies sold 17 weeks on the New York times bestseller list, and still not one major media review of the book. So when I read it, I've known Bobby for several years, I called him and asked him if he would consider letting me make a documentary of it to make it more digestible. And he agreed. And I, I couldn't be more delighted with what we've done with it, but yeah, it, there was some soul searching about whether I wanted to do this career ending film.
0: Now, why is it career give people a little bit about your, your background? Why, why, why is it, why would it be career ending? Because the book, when you first get it and, and, and I've t- laughed with Tony before, it's about as charmless a book you can see when you first get it. It kind of looks like the phone book. And it's got this ominous black cover when you open it up. And I know most people say, well, I can't read this it's just too much. You start reading, you cannot put it down. It's, it's, it's not just mesmerizing, the level of detail and research. You're kind of, it's kind of like a horror book, right? You're reading a, a, like a thriller that is, it's a page turner. But why do you say in turning that into, because it's all documented, right? It's all documented. It's right there in the book. Why do you say making something that's so fundamental to the current situation of citizens of this country would be a career ending to a filmmaker like yourself?
7: Yeah, this is, in in my traditional documentary world, uh, that is a very liberal world, and they are, are, I just got an invitation to a fundraiser the other day, and I'm reading their vaccination mask policy, and it's literally delusional. And this is the environment, half of the people, when you see the credits on the film, half of the people that worked on it wanted their names redacted and did not want to be credited. They wanted to be involved, they wanted to get it out there, but didn't want to pay the price. Um, You know, I had a film in the Toronto Film Festival a month ago that I did with Amy Redford. I've got a film that we submitted to Sundance, and I realized, wow, I should have taken my name off of that film, I probably killed its chances.
0: Walk me through and and taking a book like this. How do you then think about a film? Because many of our audience have have read the. I'm proud to say that we're our audience is big book readers, big book buyers. But particularly this book, I think they jumped on this thing. They because remember a lot of folks in the show are are traditional Republicans or MAGA or independents. But when you mentioned Bobby, you mentioned the Kennedys. They're not going to sit there and say, "Oh, I want to see something from Kennedy." They were mesmerized by the book. In his interview, we did. How did you take this? Really. A, a book of documents and turn it into a movie.
7: It's it's such a fascinating story. I was ignorant about Fauci uh, when he first showed up. I just was kind of oblivious to his whole world in the in the during the AIDS crisis and starting in 1984. So for me, Fauci was this avuncular a uh, grandfatherly guy who showed up at Trump's side and seemed to be very rational, and and I liked him every time I saw him. And then I started hearing inconsistencies, but once I read Bobby's book, I realized the impact that this man has had, You know, the hundreds of thousands of lives that I believe are lost directly related to the decisions that he's made and the money that he got control of and that he controls. So we took the book and and really plotted a storyline through the whole book. And it was actually easier than most films I make because the research was already done and the people were already in the book as the sources. And so we were able to go out and interview the people in the book and stay pretty much within the confines of the book and and bring that story to life. Then I got to tell you, you know, our editors do most of the work after the writers and, and you know, are finished. And then we wait for them to show it to us. And I, I watched the first half of this um, six weeks ago. And I, I, like, I was thrilled as a viewer. Uh, it's in there.
0: I want to bring in Tony Lyons now to join Jeff. Tony, um, t- tell me about Skyhorse and all the times you've been published. Cause you've published a couple of three controversial books. On, on, on the scale of, uh, of what, concert, what Skyhurst considers controversial, how controversial is the real Anthony Fauci?
3: So I don't think that it should be controversial, but I think that viewers have to realize that the most corrupt, the greediest people in this country have taken over the government. They're trying to control your ability to see what's going on, and this has to be stopped. People have to watch this movie and understand how this country is run.
0: What uh, you had a vision for this when we first talked about the book and and Bobby, you had a vision for this uh, becoming a film. How did you guys, how'd you get Jeff and how'd you get it done so quickly? Because it's bringing a filmmaker myself, given the complexity of the topic, it's kind of stunning to me that you guys are finished already at the quality level of the film I've seen, which is absolutely brilliant. How did you envision this and how'd you get it going so quickly?
3: Well, you know, we were desperate to get this movie made because we felt that, you know, it's a, it's a big, complicated book. And, you know, I think that there are tens of millions of people in this country who want to hear this story. Some of them were prevented from doing it because there was a censorship campaign that was waged against this book that's unprecedented in U.S. history, that on every level it was censored. But even people who wanted to read it, in some cases, just, just couldn't do it. It was just too big a mountain to climb. And this is a long, complicated, incredibly exciting, but also shocking book. But I think that, you know, this is the most important movie of the year. And we wanted it to come out quickly while it was still so relevant to decisions people make and to politics in this country. So we. You know, had a couple of different people who wanted to make it, and we heard a presentation from Jeff, and he just seemed like the perfect person who was going to get it done, work day and night, and that's what he's done.
0: Jeff, uh, back to you. You know, the Toronto Film Festival, one of the most, it's a market, but it's also one of the most prestigious film festivals in the world. Sundance, clearly for American independent film, the most prestigious. Uh, I noticed that we're not premiering this in a film festival. Why would that be, sir?
7: Oh, there's no chance it would have a life there. We've actually made the film free to see. It's at TheRealAnthonyFauciMovie.com and it goes up tomorrow. We're going to have it there for free for 10 days. This film, if it's going to succeed, it's because people see it and share it. And we're actually enlisting the audience to share the film while it's up for free. Uh, and there's no reason millions upon millions of people sh- shouldn't see this film. It's so important. It, it's, it, yeah. it was an important book. It's certainly the most important film I've ever made.
0: But here, here, but here, here, here's the thing. Given your career as a filmmaker, and by the way, the war room is going to push it, so we're going to have millions of people see it. Well, just walk me through the pushback. Why would Hollywood— why would the film industry TV everybody wants to make money? This thing's going to get millions of views. The book sold, I think Tony what a million four copies a block I don't mean a blockbuster. I mean in today's environment, something that's historic. The only article I remember Tony Lyons from the mainstream media was our beloved paper record, The New York Times did a hit piece on on Bobby Kane Jr. about how his family, who loves him, said, "We love this guy, but he's so far off the reservation we can't help him anymore That's the only mainstream media big article it was. Jeff Hayes, having dedicated your life being a filmmaker, why is this not in theaters? Why is this not streaming? Why is Discovery not have this, sir?
7: Yeah, the, every door is shut, and this goes all the way down to one of our editors sent us a section that he worked on, about a 10-minute section that he put on his private YouTube page a couple of months ago for us to review, password-protected, non-public-facing, And YouTube took it down for violating their policy. The website that we have, TheRealAnthonyFauciMovie.com has already been blacklisted by five different uh, services. You know, we're appealing all of those. We're going to have to play cat and mouse just to show it for free. Uh, So, you know, the doors that normally are open to me are, are slammed shut. And that just but, makes but, me. But a... Jeff,
0: but Jeff, hang on, but Jeff, hang, hang on, hang on. New York City, Hollywood, Los Angeles. This is the, the creme de la creme of the free speech, the creative crowd. What is it in your film, sir, that would take the people that are supposed to be the biggest people about free speech in the nation, in the creative arts? What is in your film that they would block this everywhere?
7: Yeah. And the the real answer is it's Bobby Kennedy in the film the truth is in the film i i have watched bobby to me he's a modern day job as he has been stripped of you know this was a, a a man that was liberal royalty in this country that could pick up the phone and call anybody in the united states and suddenly he's persona non grata i've watched him stoically just continue to to uh, tell the truth and 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 take his stand and how he has become a pariah to people that he stood up for all his life—I have no idea how this
0: happened. This is why we're going to see film. Everyone that's always going to see him pass on Tony Lyons. Correct me if I'm wrong. With all the damning evidence and his interview on War Room blew up, he's calling guys murderers. You never got sued. So what is it in the book that Jeff Hayes made a film up that would have every distribution platform shut down to you, sir?
3: because this book is saying that the most powerful health official in this country, the person who was essentially running the country during the pandemic, is absolutely corrupt, is working for the pharmaceutical companies at the expense of public health. And that he's been doing that now for two and a half years, that hundreds of thousands of people have died unnecessarily, and that it's the point now where we need truth and reconciliation, we need, tens of millions of people to watch this movie, to share this movie, to get a hold of it in any way they can in order to begin to understand what's happened, to be sure that it never happens again in this country or hopefully anywhere.
0: Tony Lyons, how do people get the book? Before I go back to Jeff Hayes, we're running out of time. How do people get the book? Because I know people are going to want to buy the book when they see this from. How do they get it?
3: Amazon.com, skyhorsepublishing.com, uh, you know, the book sold a million copies, but I swear to you, there were 10 million people who would have read this book if it wasn't shut down. So don't let them shut down this movie. Do everything you can to watch this movie, even if you're sure you're going to disagree with it. Watch it. Think about it. And then tell us that you really disagree with it.
0: Jeff Hayes, how do we get this film and how do people follow you on social media, sir? You're a hero and a patriot for doing this.
7: Thank you so much. The real Anthony Fauci movie.com. And if they'll just go there, we're going to win.
0: Oh, we're going to go there. We're going to go there in a big way. Jeff Hayes, thank you for doing this. And Tony Lyons, you're a, uh, a, uh, a hero, a hero for this country. Thank you very much, guys. Tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock, it's three weeks to the day the biggest most important midterm election since 1862 we're going to have a couple of special guests on to walk you through the importance of it and where we stand right now in this battle for the united states of america see you tomorrow morning at 10 a.m